It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. And welcome into the College Basketball Podcast for this Monday. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, with Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Roaring. Rick Boring is all of a sudden raking in some, uh, apparently some some gravitas from the outside world. I mean, somebody's got to make some money off of this little, you know, if it's not money, it might as well be endorsements. I was going to say, so you've got two endorsements, it sounds like, in the, in the works, Rick? Well, that's From over the weekend, at least one for sure. Yeah, I think me and Omaha Steaks clearly have something. I think we've built a beautiful relationship <laughs> over the last 48 hours. We All we did was mention them a couple times. Well, on, on, I started on, the social media campaign, and then Rick jumped right on board, and next thing you know, they, they they're sliding into his DMs, and uh, I think they might have made it to like second base already. I don't want to miss. I don't want to misrepresent the relationship. They just said, "Will you send us a DM?" I sent them a DM. They said, "Cool, like we'll you know we'll get back to you." I, I don't know where it's going. They're tweeting at me this morning. Ask if they can send you back an FM during business hours, as in filet mignon. That is exactly what I I told them. Let me hold a few fillets. I was shouting them out everywhere on other news stations that I won't mention on this podcast, right. but. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big weekend for me in Omaha Steaks, and I think we're all going to be eating pretty well next week. I was going to say, you've at least taken a good step in the right direction, right? Yeah, and uh, this week it's DePaul week, and I've already gotten the approval from Omaha Steaks. Sup, Giordano's? How you doing? There you go. How you doing? Can we get... Can we get some pizzas? <laughs> Unofficial sponsor of the Skinny Podcast. That is Today. tremendous. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to work around it. Yeah, and it's not it's not like you're, you're you're dealing with two different car dealerships here. This is like a car dealer and maybe well the hotel. That's what Omaha Steaks said. Omaha Steaks yeah. gave him permission to to, yeah. to speak with Giordano. They said two different categories. Completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. You know, as much as I like steak, you can't eat it all seven days of the week. I could, but I just okay. I need lunch well, too. I need so, lunch. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Sometimes you need a deep dish. Yeah, yeah. You just have to have something different. There's no question about it. So, so give him one more shout out. Giordano's hit me up. Like, look, here's the thing, guys. If you're listening to this podcast, even if you hate me, I feel like you should do the right thing and tweet at Omaha Steaks or Giordano's. It's the only way they're just going to give us free food. I think so too. I think mean, I think it's a, it's the right thing to do. And, and if, all of you that have done it, I really appreciate. it. And if anybody needs free food, it's us. Yes, like, yeah, for yeah. real, no question. All three of us, no doubt. Well, right, speaking so, of free food, though, yes. what what you have yesterday? Anything great? Um, the best thing you guys had. Actually, my daughter made these cheeseburger things inside of like a crescent roll that were really good. Yeah, that it was sounds really, really good. It was really good. She decided she wanted to go off the rails a little bit there. But then most of the other stuff is it's mozzarella sticks and pizza rolls and chili dip. It's, it's just every bad thing that you can have. Every bad thing. She got herself a, a little Facebook video recipe, didn't she? Um, off Pinterest. She might have. She, probably off Pinterest. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Probably, she, she occasionally will, will dally with that. I appreciate it. It was good, though. Brendel does a lot of cooking himself. What did you come up with yesterday? Um, I went kind of went easy yesterday. Um, didn't do our staple. Which Rick wasn't there this year, so I, I didn't do our staple, which is jalapenos, cream cheese wrapped in bacon and then Ooh. covered with brown sugar. Oh, pretty good. Oh, that sounds unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's my go-to every year that we always do. But I skipped it this year. Instead, I did like a Rotel Velveeta spicy sausage dip that was uh, fantastic, and I did a uh, a bagel dip with cream cheese and uh, habanero jelly. My man, my man is quite the chef. Yeah, he gets into it. He does get into it. Yeah, and then, and then I did some. Uh, I did a crock pot full of chili. Yeah, you gotta have. That's a good call. That's a steak. It's, it's an easy call because you're not like the problem with like wings and stuff is you're cooking while it's going while yeah. while the game's starting and you're you know you, you don't you, by the time you really get by the time usually that I sit down it's like middle of the second quarter. 
Yeah, daughter was mad she missed Luke Bryan singing the national anthem. I see. I didn't care about I that. I didn't care about that either. But, um, but I, I added a secret, a, a new ingredient to my uh, chili recipe. I needed some volume because there was people there. So I got a uh, 24 ounce Sierra Nevada. That's probably pretty good. And put the 24 ounce. Just the regular here, pale ale. Just the regular pale ale. Threw that bad boy in there. Gave it some good flavor. There I you was, go. uh, it was. It was a good evening. And then my wife got some uh, cheesecake bites from a friend of hers. Went all out. Holy cow! That's pretty. It's pretty high class. Yeah, they were fooling around at the Brendel household. Not, not bad. Not bad. And for you, you probably just had a burger and a, and a beer, right? No, no. Uh, actually, the spread at my, my buddy's house was amazing. It was all like my favorite thing, like a spinach and artichoke dip that was out of this world. The stuffed mushrooms were my favorite. Um, but then he did some smoked wings that were great too. That's so, very good. Yeah, it was a great night. All right, by the way, while well, this is a basketball podcast, how did Atlanta gag that thing? How do you take a sack in a place where you can't take a sack? All you got to do is kick the field goal. That's all you got to do. They they lost that game. They lost that game. Yeah, I mean they lost that game. But I will say the Patriots. They are why like when you see dynasties, the reason you see a dynasty is because every time you slip up, they, they put it. their foot on your throat. No doubt. I mean, when it got to twenty eight to nine, the only thing I kept thinking is a turnover is going to happen here, and they're going to get right back in this like that. And, and it, it's exactly what happened. It, it was a good, it was a fun Super Bowl to watch, though. It really was. It was awesome. The, At the end, from the, the from the middle of the third quarter on, when you could start to sense that uh oh, Brady's, yeah, Brady's starting happening. to click. Something's happening. Yeah, and there was ever. never a sense of He's panic. And, and, and if you didn't know that was coming, you're an idiot. Exactly. You're an idiot. Exactly. Exactly. I will touch on uh, a lot of stuff today. You see, obviously, over the weekend, Mick Cronin not overly pleased with the way his team played against UConn, but I get that, and we'll touch on that. Big win for Xavier on the road at Creighton. Now sets up a, a pretty good showdown at least looming with Villanova on Saturday there's a game in between that we'll touch on here in just a second but I do want to start with Kentucky where we, we don't talk about them a ton and we, we really kind of glossed over them for a bunch because there really wasn't much to talk about for a chunk of this year they had a handful of big games we touched on those big games we thought they'd cakewalk through the SEC because the SEC is bad and, and it is bad but um, they are they are really struggling I mean they are an overtime away from having lost four straight games all of a sudden and they look they look disinterested, they bad, um, and clueless on Saturday at Florida. Now Florida's an NCAA tournament team. I think we all talked earlier that really there's three probably from the league: Kentucky, South Carolina, and and Florida definitely is an SEC, yeah. is, is an NCAA tournament team. I, I believe what you're trying to say is you crushed me every time I tried to. Yeah, say I don't. Florida I don't, was decent. I don't like them. I think I always thought they were an NCAA tournament team, I, but I don't think they're very good. Um, and I still don't. But Kentucky went down and just got run. And I don't know what the answer is. And, the, and you read some of the stuff from Cal, I'm not sure he knows what the answer is. That's the thing. I don't, I don't think there is, like, an obvious answer not an easy for answer. this team. No. I, I don't think there's, like, I don't think there's one thing you can just be like, well, if they just get better at this or they just fix this, it's going to be okay. There's no, like, realistic thing there. I'm starting to wonder if they have to sell out on either offense or defense, like going all in on one or the other. And what I mean by that is, like, I think I may favor a lineup with De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Mulder, Willis, Adebayo. So you just have three shoulders shooters out there with Fox and Adebayo, and you go all in on the offensive end because you're not stopping. And try to win 94-85. I mean, and honestly, you might because they are really bad on the defensive end right now. Well, and, really bad. And when Monk's not going well, teams are so easily just able to pack it in, give Adebayo trouble, give Fox trouble because he can't drive as easily with all the right. clogged lanes. So I think you need to space the floor with shooters on the offensive end. I think that's their best bet. Um, because even if, if they go more athletic, they're putting in, what, Gabriel at the four, and he can't guard. So 
Like, they've proven that. Yeah, I mean, no matter who they put at the four, it's proven they can't guard. So, yeah, you might be right. Maybe that's the way to go. I did think it was interesting where, when Calipari said he's not sure if they've hit rock bottom or if rock bottom is still to come. If salary wasn't rock bottom for this season, they got some real problems. I mean, they got drilled. Now, I will say, I, I haven't watched Florida much this season. That was the first time I really, like, sat down and, like, consumed Florida. That's a team with a lot of dudes that we really liked on the AAU trail. And, and I think you have to give, like, we have to talk about Florida a little more seriously after that. Yeah. It's like, to this point, it was okay to brush them aside and be like, oh, they're okay, but they're not that good in the SEC. Let's see what they got. Now I think you can seriously start. I mean, they, they're a top 10 team in Ken Palm. I think they're like sixth in the country overall in Ken Palm right now. So I think it's fair to talk about them as a better team. But that doesn't excuse what's going on with UK, right? No, not at all. I mean, Kentucky just got drilled. They were awful. Now, if you recall the the, the year the Harrison Twins were the were the punching back in the backcourt, that was a team that at this stage of the season was doing the same stuff. They they were getting run. They were getting howls on the road. There were questions of why can't this team get it together? This team isn't going to get it together. And it was understandable to ask those questions. Yet that team did find a way. But that team was a little more veteran, though. I mean, the Harrison Twins weren't weren't. Freshmen, there. I mean, they, they were a little more veteran. You're, you're still relying on a, on a, on a, on a core of, of freshmen on this team. Rick, have you ever seen a guy not translate the way that I, Isaiah Briscoe is not translating? I mean, it, we've talked a little bit about this before in relation to his free throw shooting. That was a kid I was convinced. I wasn't sure about his pro prospects. But definitely at the college. But I was convinced he was going to come in and be a really, really good college player. And he just drives into the lane wildly, flip, I mean, just throws the ball at the rim. Like, everything we saw him do at an incredibly high level against high-level competition is completely out the window, Rick. It's all gone. Yeah, they they flat out need him to be better, but at this point, it's getting to the point where, like, he is what he is. Right, when's it going to come? So that's why I'm saying, like, I think you might consider, even though I know he's a tough defender, I think you get maybe consider getting him out of the lineup because he just cost you too much on defense. I mean, I mean, on offense. offense. I, I, meant, I meant on offense. Um, he shot the ball terribly in that game against Florida, had four turnovers and only, I think, two assists. You can't have that out of a guy who's not even your main ball. Now, I will tell you, the three previous games to Saturday, he'd actually played pretty well. He'd put up some pretty decent numbers. But but overall, I mean, you're, you're definitely right what you're and, saying. And I'm just saying, in fairness, the, the three previous games, he had, he had averaged ooh, 15, nine rebounds and about seven assists. But, but you're right. I mean, overall, you can point to a lot of key moments in key games this year where you go, what are you doing? That's the issue, Skinny. It's like, at what point in the big game, you know, when they need him, is he going to rise to the and occasion? This, this was a dude in big games, Skinny, that dominated right. the AAU. He won the Peach Jam. Like, he led his team to the most, you know, highest level event you can win. So, I guess here's the question then. Is it is it a confidence thing where, you know, you look at last year's team and it was Tyler Eulis, Tyler Eulis excuse me, and Jamal Murray, very dominated by those yeah. those two guys. This year, when Fox, Fox and Monk, and Monk. Ha- yeah. came in, they dominate. And they're bowl dominant. It, and I don't blame a coach for, for having it be that way and for it being that way. It's almost like he doesn't – well, he has the skill set. He just doesn't fit. And then when he does try to fit, he tries to do too much. I think a lot of these the pieces on this UK team don't fit. Right. I think that's one of their big issues right now is yep. that they just don't fit. Um, I, you mentioned that team a few years ago with the Harrison Twins. I actually go back to last year. You think they lost back-to-back games, Kansas, Tennessee, on the road last year, back-to-back. Then they had that four-game winning streak, but then they lose um, at Texas A&M in overtime, beat Alabama, r- return to the road, and lose at Vanderbilt. So that, during that stretch, everyone was like, oh, UK, not near all that other stuff, right? 
Then they went on that run, and when they went on that run, they really adjusted things and started running their offense like they were a mid-major team playing through their best player, just running everything through Jamal Murray. Yep. I wonder if we start to see Cal just say, hey, okay, we tried to do it the right way. We tried to be a team. We just don't have the chemistry. The rest of you guys aren't good enough. So now it's the Malik Monk, Monk show and yep. the De'Aaron Fox show and everything's just a two-man game or whatever they do. Yeah. But they just kind of tweak something to really be very sort of specific and, and maybe like a special type but, offense. But And granted, I think this backcourt is certainly better than backcourt, that backcourt from a, from a pro potential uh, situation. But let's not forget last year, though, that got you to the round of 32. And granted, it was not an awful loss to it. It was a good Indiana team you lost to, but but that that way got you to the round of thirty two. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that this is going to make them a very successful team necessarily in the postseason. I'm just saying at some point, I'm wondering if we're going to see Cal say because he clearly flipped a switch last year. He's like, no, okay, no, we're right. done playing as a team. Yep, you're right. We're running everything through Jamal Murray. We're going to baseline runner offense. I'm wondering if he tweaks it similar to that this year. Well, he's got to do something because obviously it's a it's a it's a bad circumstance. The good part for him is whatever tweak he comes up with between that game Saturday night and Tuesday is going to work because they play LSU. It's a soft land. The good part for yeah. them is there's a soft landing spot to whatever he does. You're going to have success, and then the, and then go. I see it worked. Well, there's a lot of things that can work against LSU, but it does give them a soft landing spot. Yeah, and, and then the, you know they go to Alabama and return home to play Tennessee, and now all of a sudden I'm actually looking forward to that Tennessee right, game. Earlier right. in the year, we're like crushing the schedule, but now all of a sudden these games are getting interesting. Yeah. Whatever happened to Camp Cal this year just didn't work, Skinny. I guess it didn't. <laughs> it seemed like everything was going good until Camp Cal, didn't it? Camp Cal completely bombed the whole. Se- I blame Camp Cal. Camp Cal. Got to stop doing Camp Cal. It's supposed to work. Doesn't work. Yep. Like it. All right. Uh, let's touch on the UC Bearcats. Um, after they beat UConn, a team they should have beaten, they were favored by 12 and a half and, and actually covered. But you you wouldn't know that with the way Mick Cronin reacted afterwards. But I <laughs> but I do get it. I, I get a couple things. One, he does. There are certain numbers he likes and wants, yeah. and, and I'm going to let you touch on that. But I think it's also a coach that right now doesn't have a lot of teachable moments out of losses. That's what I hit I mean, on that, that's with, what it comes with up Jed with. on Sunday yeah, night. And, I mean, that, and that's, yeah. You, you win 14 in a row. You've got to find something. You've got to find just anything you can to, to keep. And I think he knows. This is the big thing about it. He's got a, a, a pesky Central Florida team coming in Wednesday only because they've got a seven foot six dude right. in the middle of their defense. And then you've got what's going to be just an absolute war at SMU on Sunday. So he's got to turn the screws. And they're not, they're, they're not playing as intense on defense right now, especially at home where they know that they can score Correct. 82 points. Because they, they, that's yeah. what they've done. I mean, there were there were a couple times in that game, and I know I mean, Mick almost lost his mind in the first half, where I, I was at practice Thursday, Friday, one of the two, and all they were doing was focusing on not giving Rodney Purvis open looks. And he had like three or four just clean step-in looks from three, and I thought Mick was going to lose his mind. So, you know, they're not – the attention to detail has slipped a little bit. And, and this is what people talk about when they, t- especially in college, when they talk about you know maybe losing a game to get your to head, you. yeah, to get to get you know to get the foot pe- the foot back on the gas pedal. Um, I think people were ho- hoping that almost losing at Tulsa would kick that in. But then you also go, well, it's the road, and and you yeah. you came back, and yeah, you did win it, and you found a way to win it, and you got the stops when you needed to. And get then them. they come out in the second half against UConn and hit seven of their first seven threes. And take a 11 point lead up to 26 points, and took their foot off the gas. And UConn, you know, kind of they didn't make it interesting, but it, it, it should have been a 25 point game and ended up at 14. 
Yeah, I, I know when people hear Mick, uh, what he said on, on after the game, and they, 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 yeah, the coaches are never satisfied. Well, you can't be because no. you see the slippage as a coach. It's not false. It's not, hey, I, we, we need to keep – you do need to keep getting yeah. better, and you do see some things that are – you know, if that's what you have on the scouting report and you don't have attention to detail on that, it didn't bite you on Saturday, but it could come back to bite you in another two-point game, and you can't allow that to happen. I fully get what he did. Yeah, and, you know, everybody jokes about the deflections, that that's his, his measure stick and it's not really the deflections no but i think they represent they represent energy energy yeah they represent what he wants from an activity standpoint on defense and they weren't very active now the interesting part with that rick is they went majority of the matchup zone yeah and they haven't played it in so long how are they're not crisp yeah. In the matchup zone at this point in time because they've been playing man for a month and a half, two well, months. And I think you've also got a couple guys coming in and out of the lineup that think they're being hidden when they're in the matchup zone. So yeah. they're going, okay, let me hide. Like yeah. they're not getting after it. And yeah. and to mix credit, like I'm totally against the coaches being over the top against stuff when your team's playing well. But in this scenario, like look, I bet Mick wanted to hold UConn under a point per possession, and they yeah, didn't. Correct. And, and they did. Like, if it was... UConn is awful offensively. Yeah. and, 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 and Awful. So, so, like, I'm I'm okay with this because, like you said, when you're playing this schedule and you've won 14 games in a row or whatever, it's, it's hard to find things to be genuinely upset with your team about. Now, when you do that, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, in a situation yeah. like this, yeah. look, they had some issues on defense. I'm okay with them saying, I don't care that we beat UConn by 20. You know, like, that right. doesn't do anything for me. I want to play better defensively. I'm okay with that. Now, here's the thing. Thing for me, Skinny, we're starting to see this happen pretty much with every game. The Xavier game, it was, can you believe somebody scored four right. points right. and Trayvon blew it, went off, and UC missed 19 free throws and they still won? The UConn game, Jacob Evans took three shots and didn't score. Uh, that's impossible. It's impossible but, to believe. But but that's the thing about this team, right, that we've been saying all along. Yeah. It goes back to sort of the end-of-game scenarios, lucky versus good, all that stuff. It's like... They're good. Like they've they've got a lot, got of, a lot of parts. It's not it's not like oh the world ended because some of these things happened. You know what I mean? Right. Like when they have a, a well, your two post doesn't score. Yeah, your two post guys go for what fifty almost between the two of them. Forty seven. Yeah, Gary yeah. Gary Clark is the best glue guy in the country. I'm going to make that statement here on this podcast. And last year, I think the the different the big difference was you you just weren't nearly as talented. Think about last year yeah. when a guy didn't play well that you wanted to play well or needed to play well. Well, Octavius Ellis didn't make the jump we thought. Farad Cobb was strictly a spot shooter. Yeah. Shaq Thomas never developed. Like So if Gary and Troy didn't show up in a major way in the big they games, were screwed. they weren't good enough. Right. This year, that's just not the case. And Right. I, I mean, we've seen, we've seen games of Kyle Washington score three points and play nine minutes because of either foul trouble or defensive issues. Um, you see a game where Jacob Evans scores 20 points, is the best player on the floor, and now you have the flip side on Saturday. You have Kyle Washington going for 27 points and Jacob Evans going for nothing. Now, I don't think you can get away with that maybe in the no. round of 16 in the tournament, but, um, but it, it does show that you don't have to rely on one or two guys. I mean, we've even seen Kevin Johnson went through that stretch of seven or eight games where, look, it wasn't 18 a game, but it was 11, it was, 12 a game yeah. and consistently, you know, not putting up 21 night and two the next. It was a consistent number, um, you know, and, and while his consistency's fallen off, now all of a sudden Jaron Cumberland's numbers on almost a consistent basis are, are getting in that f- not, not, not 10 to 12 range, 15 to 20 range. He, he's fun to watch, especially at home. He needs to learn to take it on the road. He does. He hasn't, yes. he hasn't been able to do that yet. Yet, but I mean, we've talked about it a bunch. I don't want to hit on it too much, but he literally just the 27 footers. He's just like, eh. 
I know, and, it's, and it, just, it just looks such an awkward. It looks like it's a flick. Well, uh, him and Lonzo look, Ball have almost the same shot. The yeah. only difference is Ball jumps a little bit yeah, higher, right, right. but the release point is the release point and the flick. And the way that they shoot it is almost. I mean, the it's, same. Almost, it's almost literally shot with no legs. I mean, with almost with like, with, with, with Jaron, yeah, yeah, with almost no legs. That's it's, how it's strong he is. I know that's incredible. He flicks the ball twenty-seven feet through the net. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is incredible. How, how was the ninety-two reunion? The video is yes. awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was I, awesome. I was so glad you brought that because I want to touch on that. It was very cool to see all. I mean, it, it's different for me. I tried to explain this to people, you know, that that fanboyed out on it. Like I, when Kenyon came back, I was complete fanboy. But a lot of these 92, I mean, Herb Jones, I don't know, but like Terrence Gibson, Terry Nelson, and Corey Blunt, and a lot of those guys are around, right. you know, right. fairly regularly, and I see them. And the fanboy side of me has kind of worn off on that team because I see them a lot. Uh, but it was still really cool. It was really well done. Um, brought them all out, introduced them one by one. Uh, I had a video from Nick Van Axel and Eric Martin and Hugs and I thought the throwback. how was that yeah how was Hugs's video I thought the throwback graphics on the scoreboard yeah. throughout the game were cool too and they also had a throwback playlist like all the songs they were playing were from ninety huh, two nice. very well done yeah um, the the Hugs Hugs got a huge yeah standing ovation and crowd went wild and it was typical I just want to thank these guys it was a great time it was, it was Chuck, of, Chuck I wish I was, was one of my favorite Chuck, one of my favorite teams to coach and. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun that year. I'm guessing too. They showed some some either video or oh, yeah. at least stills from back in those days. No, they had video. Okay, just they, the, just the difference though, in, in what Hugs looked like then with the with the quaffed hair yeah. and the suit and tie. Yeah. Still, what 10, 15 years, eh, about ten, twelve years removed from playing. So yeah. still in, in decent, I mean, decent and, shape. And what people don't get, Hugs is huge. Yeah. Oh, he's huge. It's like hard not, to remember him being that trim though. Yeah, but not not now. He's huge both ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, from just from a tall from a tall. Standpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah. like if you watch some of those old videos when guys come to the bench, he's eyeball to eyeball right. with you know six eight guys. Well, and he's a big broad shoulder yeah. guy with a big frame. Yeah, he like it was weird seeing those those video clips of him for like being in shape. It's yeah, like, whoa, he was a big big dude. Um, the one thing I would have said. They might should have upsized some of the jerseys. Some of those former yeah. players have grown since their playing days. <laughs> I don't, those, those dry fit uh, I don't mediums think, they're wearing. I, I don't think there's in. a size they could have got to fit Reichenecker. He had um, <laughs> he had he had gotten pretty big. Yeah, some of those Has jerseys really? were a bad look. Yeah, they were they had like sweaters on and stuff. They're putting the jersey over top. They're yeah. coming out on the court waving, and it looks like they've just got a giant tire around their midsection. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's good stuff. I, I I don't think there's any size you can get in those that. That would have been a good look. Hey, uh, did, here's how about this? Uh, you know what he should do? Get some Omaha steaks. Yeah, <laughs> Omaha steaks sound good. Yeah. Andrew Giordano's. Yeah, pizza. Giordano's pizza would be nice. That'd be great. You know, yeah. it, it, how about what uh, Mike? But Mike Bone will never. There will never be a bad word said about Mike Bone on ESPN fifteen thirty again. What did he do? He um. He I guess he was on with Mo at the uh, the dinner, the VIP Skyline Chili dinner. For the shootout, and Mo was talking to him about how that '92 team was like the team of his childhood, and how much he loved them. And so he, they, Mo shows up to the game to get ready to set up to do because Mo's the engineer for right, all yep, the UC the games. games. Yep. And there's the uh, throwback jersey with Mo's name on the back. Wow! And if you looked at it real close, it was Mike Bones, and he had his name removed. 
and had Mo's name put on put on I'll over top of where his name that's, was. That's that's some smart PR. Yeah, and that's I, some very I was joking PR. with Mo. Like Mo's like, no, that's he's now the greatest athletic director to ever work at the University of Cincinnati. By far, never said a bad word about. And him. I'm not taking I'm not taking questions. Don't at me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a cool move by him. And I'll say it was. Oh, yeah. dude, I was like. That was the team of my childhood, too. <laughs> Damn. You, you should have asked earlier. Mo and I are the exact same age. Well, actually, I did ask on signing day, joking around, and they were like, he already gave it to Mo. I was like, son of a He would have had to add more words or some more letters on yours than, than, than his. Um, I do want to touch, because you mentioned it. They do play uh, before the SMU game on Sunday. They do play uh, at home against UCF, 15-8 and eight overall, 6-5 and five in the league. Just pesky enough to, to make sure you're yeah, not looking too far ahead. But I, I do think there's enough of a gap between the Wednesday-Sunday that you don't even have to talk about SMU until no. Thursday at some point. I think that I think they're going to handle UCF at home because their offense is really bad. How are they going to guard Taco? Nizir's not going to be back, so that's a great question. Yeah, what I'm are they, what, what are they going to do on him? Uh, I, just, I just can't I wait know. to watch I mean, that. They're going to put Kyle on him, I guess. <laughs> that's going to be a hilarious Oof. matchup to watch. I think they might go a lot of matchup zone, just pack it in, because that UCF team is pretty terrible on offense. Outside of Matt Williams, who can really – I mean, the kid hit 11 shoot. threes in yeah, the he game. he can really shoot. He can really shoot. So, outside of him, offensively, they're pretty terrible. I, I worry about the game down there, because I think that's a game – At UCF, yeah, yeah, yeah. At UCF yeah. that they yeah. could muck up yep. and, and drag into the 50s and low 60s and hang around. Um, the way UC is playing at home, I'm not terribly worried no, about agree. the game here. Agreed, no, not at all. And then the uh, then SMU on Sunday, SMU is so. going to be a, a bloodbath. Yeah, I don't think people understand how well SMU is playing. No, probably not. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that on Friday. Yeah. And they're they're six spots ahead of UC and Kempom, and and the lead, the the margin keeps growing. Yeah, they're and 16th now. They're beating the hell out of people. They, and since they've gone on this win streak, where they've won 15 of the last 16. The one lost being to Cincinnati, That's by the way. exactly right. They're averaging win, winning by 17.5 points a game. I mean, they went down to Tulsa and just spanked them, treated them like a redheaded stepchild on Saturday. Yeah, I, I turned that on at one point. It was, it was ugly. I mean, they are, they're not deep. They are really good. And I think, you know, it, it's easy to take shots at the AAC because there's a lot of teams in the AAC that stink. But selling it as a one-bid league or as a one-team league is – is not having seen SMU play. No, it's lately. clearly yeah, it's clearly the two, and and obviously the, the, there's two points that have separated those two teams in their one matchup this year. Yeah. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. We'll talk a little bit more about that on that. I don't think I, I, I did want to touch about on Nizier Brooks though. Where, where do things stand with him? He's progressing. I don't think he'll be back for UCF. I think they're they're hopeful that they can get him back for uh, SMU. What's the injury? Um, hyperextended knee. Okay. So I think they're hoping they can get him back for SMU. I, I tell you what, I, I don't think I would have said this, but there's a clear difference with him not being available on this team. And that's – if you'd have told me that in April, I thought, wow, it's kind of been a rough year if they're really missing Nizier Brooks. But it's been a great year, and they're really missing Nizier Brooks and his physicality and rim protection and the things that he brings as a change well, I mean, if what you think Kyle about, does. You, you got Justin Jennifer can come in and play some point guard. You got yeah. Cumberland can come in and, and be a be Two a, and a three. wing guy, and he's your main post post sub. And he and Trey Scott, I mean, that's that's your main guy post sub. And Brooks had, had moved ahead of Trey Scott right. in that rotation, I think. That's that's a that's a big loss, no doubt about it. So, uh, my guess would be he's not going to play on Wednesday, then, right? 
I, I would say 95% sure we and, don't see him on then, Wednesday. And then you hope you get something out of him on Sunday. Yeah. All right. Such on Xavier, where the sky was falling about a week ago. Edmund Sumner was was headed to the DL. Um, they were coming off a bad stretch of basketball. No, oh, everything's losing great. basketball. Suddenly, they you look up on this Monday. They are a half game in the, or actually one game in the loss column, out of first place in the Big East with a big win over Creighton on Saturday. Yeah, we're going to say a lot of nice things about the players here over the next few minutes. I imagine. So I want to say this: the coaching staff deserves a ton of credit yeah. for getting this thing back on track. Because I mean, from the fan perspective, you had to be thinking make the tournament still. Hopefully you can hang on I had and a be couple, on the bubble. I had a couple of friends of mine that were that didn't believe they could yeah. salvage enough to make the tournament. I thought, They're no, I still think they, I agree. I said, I think they'll still make the tournament. But even then you're thinking, all right, you make the tournament as great as a nine seed or as one of the last four in, whoop-de-doo, and have a good time. Yeah, you were just hoping, hey, make the tournament so we have a fun Thursday, Friday, that opening weekend of the tournament, and it'll be fun watching the young guys progress over these last two games. Now... You look at what they did. You win that game. One, you can talk about maybe moving up seed lines. And two, right. the future is here right now. The young guys look ready to go. Yeah, that, that's the biggest part. Um, is it just getting the opportunity? Is it getting the opportunity in a bigger role? Um, um, well, let's talk about them separately. Okay, I think yeah, it's two absolutely. different stories. Yep. With Quentin Gooden, I think it was very much – it was in there. You know, he had this – Well, it looked like it was coming too. It's been, it was, and it's been in there the whole time. Like He could have done a lot of these things offensively the whole year, but he had this role behind Edmund Sumner that they had sold him on of being like, hey, you're a distributor when you come in the game. Right. You don't turn the ball over. You get guys involved because Edmund's going to be looking to score. And he really bought into that and was probably too unselfish. And then I just think because he was only in there for a few possessions, he didn't have the confidence to kind of go outside the offense and, and take a shot away. And from I get that. Or take, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great mindset for a freshman point guard. The other key for him was he learned the defensive stuff first and foremost. He really got the staff to trust him on the defensive end, and that's enabled him to now, like, if they didn't trust him on the defensive end, he was screwing things up there right now, regardless of what he's doing offensively, they'd be playing JP at the point for 15 minutes a game just because they'd be that concerned about the defensive stuff. But Quentin's so good defensively, it's easy to leave him out there for 40 minutes a game. And let's say he is, on the last two games, just from the floor, he's not shot the ball great. He's 7 of 28, I think, well, in those two actually, games. Actually, he's shot the ball really well. He hasn't finished the layup. Well, yeah, okay, all right. But yeah. Because he was 4 for 7 from 3 in that game, yeah, no, which that, was yeah, absolutely huge. But, but think about it, if he does that, because like I said, 7 for 28 um, overall, and yet he's been a big difference in, in the last two, two wins. I mean, you start doing some of that, he's in that 18-point range a game. Which I, I even said, I said, can you get 10 or 12 out of him? He might be an 18-point-per-game scorer. What's the least concern you have about Quentin Gooden? Defense and getting to the rim. Finishing at the rim, right. right. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing we've always seen. What, what am I most concerned about? His ability to shoot, because his shot was horrible. I mean, he's... he's and it, play the point. Yeah. Right? Run the offense, get assists. I think he kind of he answered that. He as, showed it. Yeah. Coming in, that was the concern. Yeah. People said he was a combo guard and not a point. Yeah. And so, I, and, and we've talked about it. Credit to Chris Mack for that, because Chris Mack did not back down from the, the evaluation that he was a point guard. Yeah. Even when, you know, everybody was, was like, hey, man, that, I don't know about him as a point guard. Chris is like, no, that's, that's he's my point, it's a point yeah. guard. Yeah. So credit to him. I think we've talked about that before. And how about Tyreek? Little Eric Hicks is, uh, what, he was eight for eight, eight from the floor? Yep. Well, and you and I talked about this when we were doing uh, Sports Authority here at Channel 12 with Jed Demusi. It, the Just the idea that. It, the Mike Pegues effect and how he approaches young big men. And, like, I think He's so good. I think for a lot of people looking at Tyreek, they felt it's kind of counterintuitive to teach Tyreek the way Mike likes to teach big men because Mike is very much about get the footwork down, play slow, be patient, learn to, learn to score with your back to the basket first. That's how Mike teaches you early. 
and the other stuff will come. And I think for Tyreek, everyone's like, just teach him to be able to dunk the ball around the rim. Teach him right. he's really athletic and dunk. And he hasn't put that together. But all of a sudden, we saw him all game just dominate Justin Patton on the see, block that, under, just, the, that, under the rim. That's move. Justin Patton at seven feet tall who's a shot blocker. Yeah, and Tyreek at 6'7". And a top ten pick in the draft. Right, probably. exactly. And Tyreek at 6'7", making all these pivot moves and up and unders and drop steps. I mean, I didn't know he had that in him. And the only thing I can point to there is Mike Pugues. You know how you didn't know you had that in him? Because he didn't have it in him. He's never showed it before. Right. Like, we've never I mean, seen it before. I, I mean, we, we even talked. I even said early in the year, I said, you, you, he, he can't finish. I mean, and part of it was he's undersized, so maybe he just can't finish. And yet, here he is against a really good big man finishing constantly. Yeah, the, the big stuff to me was the footwork that he showed. Just because, like, him being able to make those moves. The finishing stuff, to me, that always is a lot more just the game slowing down for big yeah, men, that's, especially that's, if you're undersized. That's freshman big men. Well, I mean, we saw, like, Travis Taylor transfer from Monmouth, and he was 6'7", and he comes over from playing a lower level, and now all of a sudden you're in the Big East, and it was like... Oh wow! This yeah, and he was really what fast. seventeen and eleven in the in the in for that team, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, then, and then the first year he was terrible, traveled, right. missed layups every time he touched the ball. Next year he was great. They would have loved to have him, you know, for a third year. So I think that just happened. Right. So that stuff doesn't concern me as much. But the footwork Tyreek showed, I, I can't believe it. Like it was unbelievable to watch. Well, suddenly now uh, DePaul is the next landing spot, so that should get Xavier to eighteen and six. And Giordano's, what's up? We'll, we'll How talk, you doing? We'll talk more about Villanova, but it should be if you take care of business, setting up for a hell of an atmosphere on Saturday. Well, but let's let's be clear about this: Xavier has to win this game against yep. DePaul. Both no of the games against DePaul, or all of a sudden their resume doesn't look nearly as good. Because the big thing with Xavier's resume: strength of schedule is great, no bad losses. You get a bad loss, all of a sudden your resume, because you have six losses You've or whatever. Only got one really good win. And that's great without Mo Watson. And you don't know how they're going to hold on down the Correct. stretch. Exactly. That really good win could be an average win in, right. in three weeks. Yeah, and and the other thing is that you know Xavier has piled up the six losses. So yeah. now you start you start getting into seven, eight losses and, and there's a bad loss in there. Resume not nearly as impressive. They need to keep it unblemished in terms of the bad losses. And DePaul has played people tough. Well, and let's face it, the margin for error still is not great. It's I mean, incredibly it, it, small yeah. for this team. Yeah, that, that's the big part. It's not like yeah. you're going to go, hey, we're going to completely out-talent them across the board, and you probably do to some degree, but it's still a small margin of error. It's if Trayvon gets in foul trouble, it's if JP doesn't make some shots, it's if you know, this is say Quentin Gooden doesn't shoot the ball from the outside because it's not a, a complete proven commodity. I mean, the, the, it is, it's a very small margin of error. And what people don't know is before Rick was a hack Creighton fan, he was a hack to Paul fan. He just loves Dave Lato. I mean, I, I don't know why, maybe it's because he's a six foot nine guy, he likes big guys. I'm I was actually a huge Tommy Hamilton guy, so I was very upset that they got rid of him. <laughs> no, like literally, skinny. Since this Tommy goes Hamilton back. Was an eighth grade. Yeah, this goes back to Tommy Hamilton being in eighth grade. It was one of our first years on the road. Maybe our first year on the road. Dude came out six, eight, six, nine as an eighth grader. Like 300 pounds. Playing up at 300, like 280 pounds legitimately. Catches the ball at first play of the game. First play I've ever Dunked, seen. right? No, 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 no. Catches the ball at the three-point line. Pump fakes the three. Oh. Dude bids on it. He takes two dribbles, spins, pirouettes, lays it in on the left side, and I just lost my mind. That's awesome. Like, oh, wow. Next trip down, he hits a three from three feet behind the line. I was like, oh, this is great. That, this was, is it. that was Rick's I'm, guy. Like, I'm all in on this. Yeah. And I liked Billy Garrett, too. So they're a fun team to watch. That being said, I, if I'm a Xavier fan, I would be worried about this game because Xavier can't lose it, and DePaul's played some people tough. Yeah. But from my perspective – if you've ever wanted to hang out with me at a Xavier game and drink some beers, I'll see you in D'Artagnan's deck for the second half of this one because I am not watching the second half of Press Row. Wow. Are you wearing your, your DePaul jersey? Hey, relax, all right? We've got we've to save some, but there'll be, I've got something up my sleeve. <laughs> 
I may have to come see this. I don't want to get stopped before I get inside the media room. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to wear it underneath of my scout that, apparel. That, that's a good call. Yeah. I, I know you guys don't like this, but I do want to touch on it real quickly. In the latest, I looked at a bracketology yesterday, and you were talking about seeds. They had UC up to a three seed, Kentucky down to a four, and Xavier sitting at a seven. And I don't know if that's related to the fact that, that was before. That was the before Creighton. the Creighton game. No, I think I thought it was after. Well, yeah. even I think it was after. Yeah, even yesterday. still, they're they're a um, everyone had them as a seven before the Creighton game. Okay, and according to the bracket matrix, which is kind of, kind of yeah. my favorite right. thing because it compiles all the different bracketologies and gets a consensus. Xavier was the top seven seed before the okay. Creighton win. So that, by that, yeah. So I mean, theoretically, people may still have them as a seven seed, but they were that beforehand, and this win plus taking care of business behind it, could mean they have the opportunity to move back up. All right. Now, speaking of that, I mean, there's been so much around the country uh, the last few weeks that it's jumbled everything. I think the one clear-cut thing is you can look at Villanova and go, like them, love them, best. Then from there, where do you go? If you go gun to my head right now and said who's going to win the national championship, I think Villanova would be my pick again. I'd say they're going to repeat. They're the team most consistently I feel good about. It's your safest answer. Mm -hmm. It may not be the right answer, but it's the safest answer. Because if you say somebody else, I'd point to you and go, why? For Nova, you can tell me. You can give me a reason why if I asked you why. They're the most consistent. Right. Night in, night out team out there. Yeah, especially against good teams. Like yeah. They show up against good yeah. teams. I mean, I with everybody else, and especially, you know, even – and I'm not counting out Kentucky and Duke. They're going to have to do it from a different seed perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's enough talent there that they can easily get it together and go on a run when March hits. With Villanova, they're the only one I look at and think, yeah, I can see them winning six. Like – Everybody else you look at and you go, yeah. If they bring it, you know UCLA. What if what if they play a really good offensive team and it, you and know, can't get any stops and can't get any stops? I mean, I think Kansas is the team I feel next best about, but they just showed it, but yeah. they just showed this weekend they're susceptible. And dude, their off court issues could blow up in their well, face. That's, yeah. that, that's the biggest part. I mean, I, I could I could put them in that mix as well. I absolutely could. I you mean, know, we're, the Iowa State loss aside, you know, what we're I, not talking about Oregon. Them to an extent, yes, and they. I think they get UCLA again this week, right? I mean, they beat the daylights out dog of crap out of Arizona. They just yeah. absolute turned them around and spanked them. Which I was starting to get excited about Arizona. I think yeah, they I was were getting, really I thought good. I did too. We we haven't really spoken a word about Louisville on this year yeah, podcast, and, 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 and not since they beat UK, right? And, and, and we, it, talk, we talked to Quentin Snyder's dad. That really is the last time we've spoken about them here, and they're top ten in offense and defense, or. I mean, they're they're way up there. Yeah, they're number two overall in Ken Palm. They're 29th in offense and first, first in, defense. in defense. That's, that's still pretty good. That's really, yeah. good, really good. I mean, that's national title contender type numbers. The only thing I would say is that when they've gotten into the you know the Baylor, Virginia, Notre Dame, Florida State games, I don't trust their offense. Like you know, you score 63, 53. 68, like, right. they got to score more against good teams, and they concern me. Well, and, and I'm going to get you, since, since the since the uh, the Kentucky game, they won at Indiana. I'm just going to go through these really quickly, and we've seen what, yeah, we see what they've become. <laughs> Lost at Notre Dame, um, gave up 77 that game. Won at Georgia Tech, beat Pitt, beat Duke when Duke started to teeter and has been teetering since that point in time. 
uh, beat the dog crap out of Clemson at home, but then lost at Florida State, as you mentioned, Rick. One at Pitt, beat NC State, one at BC. It hasn't been a gauntlet. I no. like them. Don't get me wrong. And I, do. and, I like and them a lot. it's surprising in the ACC well, to have that. Well, they've got a yeah, really it's tough, tough that's, that's what I was going to say. they got Virginia coming up, actually, as we're doing this. We're doing this on Monday. They play on Monday night tonight. Uh, then they have Miami at home. And Miami's had played actually pretty well on the road. Then at Syracuse, which is surging. Virginia Tech at home. At North Carolina. Cuse again. Uh, and they close out with a couple other games. But, I mean, the, the, the gauntlet for them to prove themselves, I it's think, coming. Is, is coming. And... Well, do you want to do? Are we done? No, no I, I just didn't know if you. Were, I thought you had another point on that. No, I, no, I, I just. I was just. I've, I've got my closing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, but it's I'll, kind I'll, of related to to Louisville. So right, we'll I'll, get to it in a minute. We'll get to that in a second. No, I was just say I, I'm just trying to figure out. It seems like on a weekend basis, you can't trust hardly anybody. No, it's going to make the end of the season really fun to watch because you just look at like I mean in the Big East, I think we all feel really confident that Villanova is going to run away with the Big East, um, even though they're only up by a game right, right now on Xavier. Uh, but that was it, a really good Maryland. If we could Big Ten, that was a really good Maryland Purdue game. I'm, that's on the, the thing. Weekend. The Big Ten, who knows who's going. I mean, it's come. those two, I think, right? I, yeah, no, but, I mean, Wisconsin still twenty and three yeah, and nine might be one. the best team in that conference theoretically. I like, forget just keep, about them because they just grind. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even yet, it's not that I forget. Like I've watched them. I, I, I'm aware of how good they are, but they just. They played an Indiana team that I think had it felt like two scholarship players, five walk-ons, and three student managers playing, and they had to grind yeah. at home to win that game. And I guess that's why. Uh, that's probably why they're not. Yeah. Why they don't jump to the front of my mind right. when I think about the Big Ten. But then the Big Twelve. I mean, you got to think Kansas is going to win until it until proven otherwise. But then at the same time, like that's going to be a really interesting finish to watch, even if Kansas wins it. Because Josh Jackson is really starting to come on for them. Well, you have that's Kansas with two losses, Baylor with three, and then West Virginia and Iowa State with four apiece, and Kansas State and TC. With five apiece, and it feels like anybody can beat anybody right. in that conference, right. which makes that finish fun. I mean, Oklahoma and then same in, thing in the pack. Yeah, Oklahoma's in last place and went to West Virginia to win, and, and the same thing in the pack. You're yeah, right. I mean, so it's a crazy finish at really all the top of the major conferences except for the Big East, I think. Yeah, right. and well, then the American, you've got UCN, SMU, and that's, that's it. That's right. Um, before I get the final takes, I do want to touch on NKU, which got a very nice win over the weekend at Wright State, and it sets them up because they've got it, it. It got them above five hundred in the league now at six and five, fifteen and nine, but now they play the two Wisconsin. Coming up back to back, Green Bay and Milwaukee. I think I got those right. I know. Yep. It's, I know. Yep. Back to back, they play Green Bay this Thursday, and Green Bay just beat Valpo yeah. by seventeen. Yeah, but it puts them in a spot because it's it's these two at home, then at Cleveland State and at Youngstown, which are very winnable road games. Then Wright State and Illinois, Chicago back at home, and then you close out with Valpo. Or not, yeah, I think you. Well, then you don't close out, but you have Valpo coming back at home. You have a stretch here where you can get some real momentum into that Valpo game and set yourself up for a really good seed in the conference tournament. That's exactly. And they played they've played those tough games on the road. Right. Now they're getting the return games right. against those big teams in the conference. I'm really excited to see what they can do on their home court against the top teams in the conference because they're number one in offensive efficiency in the conference. Um, defensively, they, they're you know down, down the list a little bit. They're not really athletic. But when you look at Ken Palm and, and the predictive measures, they're favored to win all seven games left on their schedule, according to Ken Palm. So even Valpo, even Valpo at home, huh. are favored to win by two. Wow! So they are favored in all seven games. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's really interesting when you start thinking like they win five, six of these games. What a season! No doubt. What a season! It's because John Brandon came on this podcast. Shout out to John Brandon for coming on this podcast. Podcast karma, man. We need to get him some Omaha steaks, maybe a little Giordano's. Yep. Well, I, it's it's just noticed to Omaha steaks and Giordano's that if you come on this podcast, winners, good things happen. Yeah, it's just winners. That is. That's all we churn out over here. All about but that, podcast karma. I'm all in on that Green Bay thir- game on Thursday night. Xavier plays on Wednesday. 
I'm all in. So if, if you guys want to find me there, I will be at the game this right. time for real. Actually, we might do that. I've got no conflicts. I don't think I have any conflicts either. I, I don't believe I do either. All right. You see I think we're all in. I'm, I'm podcast road trip. In. Okay, I'm definitely in. So if you guys want to show up. Do I'm, the podcast from courtside. I'm down to. We, we can make that happen. We might do that. All right. I like that concept. Post-game skinny podcast, courtside, NKU Green Bay. <laughs> after, a a few, after a few vault pops. Yeah, it'll be, vault, great. Vault it'll be great. Yeah. I really. like that idea. That's perfect. All right, final take time. Since, since you brought one up, go for it, Chad Brendel. What exactly do you have to do to get suspended at Louisville like Dengadel and Mankok Mathiang uh, are suspended for tonight's Villanova game for – Quote unquote, Virginia game. Virginia, or Virginia yeah, game. Quote unquote for breaking curfew. I, I I don't know. I just know that two guys showed up on the football injury report with gunshot wounds. So I just remember that. <laughs> that was what's up, Minority Hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there has to be prostitutes involved, right? I I, I would hope. I, I would just I would I would hope not, but maybe. I mean, mm. when's the last time you heard suspended for breaking curfew? Yeah, like. If you get suspended for breaking curfew, you were doing some real bad stuff when you broke curfew. Right. Or or there's a an extremely, extremely short leash right now in that oh, program. Oh, right. Now, yeah. there's, now a there's a short leash. Right now, Patino's decided that he's going to take a moral stand. Tom Jurich has really drawn the line in the sand. <laughs> That's the funniest thing you've said on this podcast, without question. I mean, maybe there is. Maybe now there's, there's, there's absolutely no slip-up whatsoever allowed. I mean, yeah, sure. Or okay. Yeah. Didn't you just say the football program in their bowl <laughs> game yeah. a month ago? Had knee, to- hang on. Knee, thigh, gunshot wound, gunshot wound. <laughs> Perfect. Sometimes you just got to take no, some lead. The one thing, though, I know you said you've loved about this is how much they just own this. It's, it's great. It's, they've consoled their souls. Good for them. They're perfectly okay with Prostitutes, it. guns. It doesn't matter. They do not care, and Did I they, respect them the, for that. The, 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 but you the, don't suspend guys for curfew. No. What the hell is going yeah. on? What did you really have to do? It's like, it's like let's pull back the curtain on college basketball for a little bit. At the beginning of the season, there's like 300 guys that are suspended three games for a violation of team, team rules. rules. They smoked weed right. in the offseason right. and got caught. Right. Every single one of them. Well, and by smoked weed in the offseason and got caught, he means they failed their fifth or sixth <laughs> drug test right. if they got suspended for more games. Right. First couple, or, don't do that again. Just, yeah. just don't do that again. Can you? We we tell you when we test you. Yeah. Can you please stop smoking for a couple of days can, before can you, then? Can you get the masking agent in your system for a couple of days? You got a couple of days to get it done. Can you just go purchase the Wizenator? We'll have a GA do it for you. Right. Just show up and use it, please. That's uh, tremendous. So I, I just need to no. know what exactly happened. You know what would be great? That, uh, to get suspended for a, a curfew violation. I'm a big History Channel guy. on. on and TV. those two kids are from Africa. They're like 30. Oh, they're probably older. No, maybe there's, there's a please, channel. There's a channel please direct all inquiries to, to chadbrendel <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> no, there's a channel next to History Channel called, it's now called Vice Channel. I wonder if you could just have like a, a, a U of L, like, a, like one of those all access things for them, and they'd be the Vice Channel sports sports portal. How good would oh, that be? Oh, God. Did How good would that be? I mean, the best reality TV show ever, but also, I mean, you'd have to shut down the program within three days. <laughs> probably. I mean, do you remember the cheerleader that had her pictures get out that she was sending to her boyfriend? I've got no problem with that. Oh, a little sexy. Never hurt anyone. Well, yeah, the cheerleader that OD'd too. Yeah, I hope Omaha Steaks is into sexting because I'll feel 
bad about that. Will you sex with Omaha Steaks? No, let's not get carried away here. I don't want to show – it's not like a my meat for your meat type of situation. (laughs) Nor nor should it be. My meat for your meat. Yeah, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. That might be the funniest thing you've said on this podcast. We're not going out like that with Omaha Steaks, but I'm just saying hopefully they're not turned off by us talking about sexting because that will be probably the end of our relationship. I'm a big sexting guy. We'll see where it goes. I, I believe it. All right, your final take. Um, I have this weird premonition every time I – as you know, I'm the foremost authority on bracketology in the city. Yes. Because um, that's how bracketology works. You just tell people you're the expert. You're the guy. And then you become that. And so I am. But and, you can uh, have clever names like the palm reader and the bracketologist. That's I'm just it. boring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boring's, boring's bracketology. Yeah, boring's back bracketology. Here we go. And uh, let me break it down for you. What I've been seeing, I have this weird premonition every time I start looking at that stuff that currently if you go by bracket matrix, Xavier's a seven – Dayton's an eight. It's coming. I have a feeling the eight, this, nine this is going to play out that they're going to be the eight, nine, or the seven, ten, one way or the other. I don't okay, care yeah, how play. it happens. Yeah, good call. But they'll end up in one of those. And if that happens, here, here's my prediction. They're going to play each other in the first round of the tournament. And I'm saying that I may be wrong about them getting those seeds. But one thing I'm not wrong about is if those seedings happen, like one of them's the eight, oh, one they'll put them together. One hundred percent, they're doubt. playing each other. No doubt, one thousand percent. That's a done deal. I, yeah, I mean, the, anybody that thinks that they don't look at some of this stuff for made-for-TV or made-for-rivalry stuff, even as, as you expand brackets out, is off their rocker because they absolutely do. Yeah. Don't think for a second that, that when they have chances to put Kentucky and Duke or Kentucky and Louisville or, or just name whatever rivals that are out there together at some point along the bracket line before the Final Four if they can, they're going to do it. I mean, it, 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 it's made-for-TV stuff and made for – it's 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 honestly smart scheduling, for lack of a better term. Yeah, so all you social media warriors. I'm just telling you, get it's ready. Coming. It's coming. All right. You guys are going to be fighting the Dayton. How do you look? Are they still tied for first in the in the A10? I know you look at the A10 with, standings religiously. With Cincinnati looming at seven. Uh, what we got? Xavier Dayton seven ten. Then Cincinnati is a, a two. Has a two or a three. <laughs> that would that would be interesting if it got to that point. I don't think they care near as much about the UC matchup right now as that Dayton matchup. I think they'd love to, to set that one up. Yeah, Dayton and VCU are tied for first in the A10. Yeah, I, my uh, my browser is blocked from going to any A10 pages. I can't check. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's a self-imposed block, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I, I programmed it that way. Exactly. All right, boys, uh, make sure we get our food coming our way, right? Yep. It's on you guys. Omaha Steaks, Giordano's. Yep. Thanks yeah. for the shout-out again. Appreciate yep. it very much. All right, we're back on Thursday, maybe doing it from NKU. We'll see. Thanks right. for joining us on this week's podcast.